Thanks for joining us at Faith. We hope the message you're about to hear encourages your day and draws you closer to Jesus. If you'd like to join us for service or find out more about the church, visit faith.church. That's faith.church. Good morning. That felt great to worship together this morning, didn't it? It was awesome. Friends, it's a real joy to be with you today. Um, Pastor Jason, he's such an awesome pastor. He's out on vacation getting a little rest and rejuvenation today. So I get to, to preach the word and share that with you. And today I feel like God has given us a very clear word of the Lord for us to be encouraged with from Romans chapter 8, 5 through 11. So we're going to get into that in a minute. Um, but during worship, I actually felt prompted to read to you out of Revelation. Is that okay if I go off script a little bit with you guys? All right. When we were singing that last song, I just was really impressed with this understanding that we serve the living God. No other religion did the God come and give himself as a ransom. No other. And not only that, no other religion actually left behind the spirit of that God to empower its followers. But Jesus did. The Father and the Son gave us the Holy Spirit to live in us and empower us. And we serve the living God. So it says in Revelation chapter 1, starting in verse 10, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, kind of like us here today. And I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet saying, write what you see in a book and send it to the seven churches. Down to verse 12. Then I turned to see that voice that was speaking to me. And on turning, I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the midst of the lampstands, one like the Son of Man, clothed with a long robe, with a golden sash around his chest. His hair, the hairs of his head were white, like white wool, like snow. His eyes were like a flame of fire. And his feet were like burnished bronze, refined in a furnace. And his voice was like the voice of the, like the roar of many waters. In his right hand he held seven stars, and from his mouth a sharp two-edged sword. And his face was like the sun, shining in full strength. That, my friends, is the risen Jesus, whom we serve and who gave himself for us. Today we are going to be looking in, in chapter 8 of Romans, and it's a powerful and very full chapter. If you've read it this week, you know there's a lot in there. And we're going to attempt to unpack some practical things for you, but also things that I just want to encourage you. God wants you to be ready and willing to change the way you are currently living. Not by willpower, but by Holy Spirit power. There's no other way to be truly transformed. So before we get too, too much further into the message, I also would love it if we would welcome those viewing online with us today. Welcome, it's great to have you. And also, let's give a very warm welcome to those watching from Jeffco Jail. We love you and are proud of you. Keep walking the walk. Jesus is for you. Jesus is for you. 
Do you know that it is possible to live a disempowered Christian life? It's actually possible to simply set your life around following rules and regulations and checkboxes and never really walk in the empowered gift of God, which is the Holy Spirit in us. And I believe that God wants to challenge us this morning, that our relationship with Jesus is not simply methods for behavior modification so that we can be better people. What God is calling us to do and to be and to walk in is a transformed life. We need to rest assured that in the Holy Spirit, which is mentioned eight times in this small passage we are going to read, in the Holy Spirit it is possible to walk in victory and do much more than just ethically adhere to a bunch of rules and regulations. Can I get an amen? Thank you, John Caleb. Love you. The Christian life, the truly Christian life, is an empowered life where you actually have fuel in your tank that doesn't come from you or from your ability to be good enough. That fuel comes from the gift of the Holy Spirit, our advocate, the seal. You remember in Pastor Jason's sermon, I hope, from last week, his sermon was titled, Not Guilty. Because in Romans chapter 8, verse 1, it says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Not guilty. However, sometimes it takes a while for our minds to catch up to this truth. Especially especially in today's day and age where we're taught self-reliance, depend on yourself, do it yourself. God wants us to depend on him. To not just know the truth, but walk in it too. So are you guys ready to be open this morning to just let God do whatever he wants to do in your heart? Are you okay if God challenges you this morning to change the way you think? about him and about you? Are you okay with that? Are you going to hold, hold your way of living with open hands this morning? If you are, I can continue preaching. If you're not, I have to just leave, I think. Don't test me because maybe I'll just preach anyway. So we get the chance and the opportunity to live in response to this beautiful gift of grace that God has given us. In my learning recently, what I have understood is that there's an appropriate response to grace, and that is not to throw it in the dirt and disrespect it, but that is to live according to what that gift has set you free to be. That's a mouthful. The grace of God has given you the Holy Spirit and set you free, and now your response to that gift is to live free, to live in the new way and not the old way. That's the gift. And not only are you, is that doorway open to you, the power to live in that is also given to you as well. Isn't that beautiful? So that's why we have titled this series, check this out. This is probably the longest 
series title I have ever seen. But we are living the no condemnation, spirit-filled, power-infused, more than a conqueror. If God is for us, who can be against us? Supernatural, nothing can separate me from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord, kind of life. That is what we're preaching from, from Romans chapter 8 over these next few weeks. And we're going to be digging in deep. Last week, Pastor Jason talked about the law and how the law has no hold on us anymore. I had gone to the dollar store and I bought a mirror, a zebra printed mirror. It was awesome. Because I was going to show you an illustration and I just forgot it this morning. But it's like the law is like this. The law is useful, but it's useful for teaching you that you need a savior. Amongst many things. The law is not irrelevant, but it points us to the fact that we need Jesus. It would be like if I took that zebra-printed mirror and I held it up and I looked at my face and I saw I had dirt on my face. It would be trying to use the law to achieve righteousness would be like me taking that mirror, seeing I'm dirty, and then taking that mirror and scrubbing my face with it. It doesn't work. It never has. And that's why Jesus came. Romans 3.20 says that by the law is the knowledge of sin. So we understand our brokenness because of the law. And yet because of grace, we are judged not guilty. And that's final. So let's look now at our key scripture. If you have your Bibles with you, whether on your phone or old school version paper, I would love it if you would read with me Follow along with me while I read. How about that? Romans 8, 5 through 11, which is our scripture for today. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the spirit set their minds on the things of the spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death. But to set the mind on the spirit is life. And peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. There's a key transition point here in Paul's writing. He switches from speaking about those who live in the flesh to speaking to the Romans who are Christians. And he said, You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. Open your ears really quick. You, if you are in Christ, you are not in the flesh any longer. Pinch yourself. Say, but yes, I am. Pinch, you pinch your neighbor if you need to as well. But not if you're not related to them because of social distancing. You're still in the body but you are no longer living according to the way of the flesh of the old man. That's not you anymore. If you are in Christ, you have a new way to live that's accessible for you. So he goes on to say, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you. Do you realize that you carry around the presence, the very essence of God in you? You carry that around with you. That is the gift. He didn't just leave you alone and say, well, I did it for you. Now have fun figuring it out. He gave you the Holy Spirit and it dwells in you. 
Did you guys know that the Holy Spirit doesn't dwell inside this building? See, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, the presence of God used to live in a building. And you know that, in the temple. After Jesus, we became his home. You have the very presence of God dwelling in you. So when you are tempted to say, I cannot, or maybe God cannot, I want you to remember who you have making his home in you. The very spirit of Christ. That had the power to raise Jesus out of the grave and set him on high. It lives in you. Unfortunately, though, we have been trained and lulled in our culture to believe the good things about God and practice the rules and guidelines and never engage with the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. And that is a disempowered Christian life. But you know what? The empowered Christian life is there for you if you want it. All you have to do is ask. So he goes on to say, but if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your immortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. This scripture isn't saying that all of a sudden you're going to be perfect. Wives, you have permission to rib jab your husbands now. You'll never be perfect until... Christ comes again. That's our future hope. That's the beauty that God is actually working to complete the perfection of his saints. So while I recognize that we aren't perfect and we will make mistakes, God has given us the power to no longer be slaves to sin, but slaves to righteousness. What does that mean? It means I'm no longer obligated to have to do what the flesh tells me to do or what the world tells me to do. I now have obligation to do what righteousness requires. And not just do it, but to do it empowered by the Spirit. You guys doing okay? All right. Sometimes it's hard to tell if you guys are... No, I won't get into it. I'm not going to tease you guys too bad. Before we move any further, let's pray and invite the Holy Spirit to help us get this. Does that sound good? Just put your hand on your heart or extend your hands out in front of you. Lord Jesus, we need you. We just thank you for not leaving us orphans on this earth to fend for ourselves. But thank you for giving us the gift of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, come and open the eyes of our heart. Open our ears. Let our hearts be soft and tender where we need to change the way we think. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. The major idea from this passage in Romans, again, remember Paul's writing to Roman Christians, and he's trying to remind them that the Holy Spirit dwells in them. Second, that the Spirit itself is life. And then the conclusion, it means that if, if the Spirit dwells in us and the Spirit is life, then life dwells in us. So how then do we walk by the Spirit is the question. You know, for many years, I would look at Galatians chapter 5, where it says, walk by the Spirit. I think we have this scripture here. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful flesh. 
For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. And those who belong to Christ, Jesus, have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. And I would ask myself, okay, because in between these two passages of Scripture from Galatians chapter 5, it says, here's the works of the flesh and here's the works of the Spirit. And I don't know about you, but I was always thinking to myself, man, I really wish I could figure out how to walk by the Spirit. How do I do it? Because I don't want to do that stuff. I, I, I want to live according to the Spirit, doing what the Spirit desires. So how? And then that's when I remember I was using my chain reference, which is something you find in a paper Bible. And I found Romans chapter 8, where it says, Those who walk according to the flesh are people who set their minds on things of the flesh. And people who walk according to the Spirit are people who set their minds on things of the Spirit. What do I mean by that? I often hear that the more time you spend doing something, the more time you think about it, the more you want to do it. So it's logical to say then that if you are a person who struggles with walking in the flesh and the fleshly desires, you may want to examine what is it that you are directing your mind toward. Probably the greatest deception, self-deception that we do to ourselves is we ignore the fruit that comes about because of the seeds we sow in our minds. I'm not going to mention any particular series on TV that's set in a fantasy ancient world. But I've had friends who say, man, I don't know why I'm struggling with lust so much. Who's on your game of throne? I mean, who's on your, who's on the throne of your mind? Which bag of seed are you, are you reaching into to sow in the field of your life? Let's just be honest, guys. We planted a garden this year. And you know what's really crazy? When we put the seed for the watermelon in the ground and the pumpkin, guess what came out? Watermelon and pumpkin. That's what we put in the ground and that's what weeks later started to germinate and come out and that's, and that's what's growing there. It would be insanity for me to think, where's our corn? Hey, you, didn't, you, didn't, you didn't put any corn seed in the ground. Well, where is it? I put seed in the ground. Yeah, you sowed some watermelon and some pumpkin and some peppers and some cilantro, which is great, by the way. (laughs) Do you guys follow what I'm saying? Like, we kind of have to just be ruthlessly honest with ourselves and say, man, I don't want to just hack at the leaves here and say, I don't want that fruit, I don't want that fruit, and keep cutting it off, and it just keeps growing because the root system's still in there. Yank it out by the root and go plant God's kingdom in your life. So it's as simple as this. If you start thinking about the things of the flesh, 
meaning the world system, what the world says is priority, that's what you're going to get in your life. God cannot be mocked. You will reap what you sow. So then, if you don't want that and you do want this, this is the good kingdom, this is the spirit, this is the flesh over here. If you want this, you need to sow this. Now, I want to just speak a disclaimer. Growth takes time. Yes, I have seen people immediately delivered from all kinds of crazy stuff. Immediate transformation. For the vast majority of us, it's a working out of our faith. It is an exercising of our will to choose to follow the truth of what God says about us, who we are now. Not, I'm no longer that. I am now this. I'm no longer in darkness. Now I am light. I'm no longer an enemy of God and hostile toward God's ways. I am a friend of God. I'm a child of God. I am accepted. I am approved. Some of you need to hear that. You are accepted and you are approved. The stamp on your file says, Approved. And down there in the fine print it says, by the way, not guilty. And if you want to dig a little further back, it's all an act and work of grace of Jesus on your behalf. Man, you guys got me all fired up this morning. There really is coffee in there, by the way. So we need to look at a couple key terms, though. What is the flesh? The flesh in this scripture is pointing at what the Greek calls sarks. And that is the external human nature. I want to point out something that was very tragic. In our Bible translators' minds, they thought it was a good idea in the NIV to translate this word flesh as the sin nature. Only until recently did they change it from sin nature to flesh because it doesn't mean sin nature. It means human nature. It means what I think is true. I mean, think about it. In our society today, when we talk about a fleshly society, we have a society that says, do whatever you think is right to you. I mean, I can't think of any crazier example of what the flesh does than just say, hey, you be you, you follow you, you just, you do you. But if it hurts me, then that's not okay. But then if I'm telling you it hurts me, then I'm intolerant of your thing. And if you get angry at me for being intolerant, then you're intolerant of my intolerance. And then I'm intolerant of your intolerance of my intolerance. And we're all just wrapped around the axle. Well, you know why? It's because we're not following the principles of the word of God. We are think we're choosing to walk in the flesh and choose to decide for ourselves what is right and wrong. And I would venture to say all of us fall into this temptation at times. We're going on in our life. How many times even this week did I say, well, I'm just going to. Now, I'm not saying you have to consult the Holy Spirit on what kind of mustard to buy at King Supers. But do we even consider that we belong to the Lord and no longer to the flesh? Do we even consider consulting the one who paid it all for us. I love how, how Eugene Edward puts this, or excuse me, Eugene Peterson puts this in the message paraphrase. I love this guy's heart. I feel like he really understood the heart of God. He says, those who think they can do it on their own, this is Romans 5, excuse me, 8, 5 through 11. He says, those who think they can do it on their own end up obsessed with measuring their own moral muscle, 
but never get around to exercising it in real life. Those who trust God's action in them, that God's spirit is in them, living and breathing, obsession with self in these matters is a dead end. Attention to God leads us out into the open and into the spacious, free life. Focusing on the self is the opposite of focusing on God. Anyone completely absorbed in self ignores God. He ends up thinking more about himself than God. That person ignores who God is and what he is doing. And God is not pleased at being ignored. That's intense. The truth is the flesh wants us to think that we can achieve good standing with God through right behavior. Nothing could be further from the truth. You are already approved. You are already paid for. If you are in Christ, you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That's a big deal. The enemy, I mean, let's, let's, can I have honest talk with you guys real quick? The enemy has got us wrapped around the axle about masks, about our politics, about all kinds of issues that eternally, let me just put it into perspective for you. A thousand years from now, no one's going to care if you wore a mask or not, or what your opinion was. No, you don't have, please don't clap for that. What your opinion was. Like we're all pontificating and spouting off our things like it's, I gotta, there are more important things, guys. There are neighbors in your neighborhood that do not know Jesus yet and do not know, they don't even have an idea of what it's like to live with the residing living hope in them. They don't have that yet. So I want to just challenge you. The things you're spending your time on, just ask the question, is this a thing of the flesh, of the world system? Do I sound just like my ungodly neighbor down the street? Or do I sound like Jesus? My professor challenged me on this recently because I was like two seconds away from jumping on a video and just ripping something, okay, like ripping a word. I don't know if you guys understand what I'm talking about, but preachers know what I'm talking about. Just being like, and just, and I talked to my professor who's a very wise lady, and she said, when you're in times of polarity, the thing to do is look for where Jesus is standing and stand with him. Don't look for Jesus to come stand with you in your, your perspective or in your opinion. And don't pretend that he's not going to go over there and stand with that believer. Where is Jesus in this circumstance? Be discerning and then go stand there with him. You follow what I'm saying? Don't let the enemy drag you into the works of the flesh. This isn't just about sins. This is about attitudes and mindsets. All right. Honest talk to continue. What is the spirit then? According to this passage, we see him talk about the Spirit eight different times in these few short verses. And he references the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Christ, and Christ. What does he mean? He means God is one. He's three in one, and he's active and living and abiding in you if you're a Christian. If you're not a Christian, 
We'll talk to you at the end of the service and give you the chance to give your life to Jesus. There's no better thing you could do. But the truth is, the Greek here says pneuma, which means Holy Spirit of God. And that Holy Spirit of God dwells in you. Let's take a look here. John 16, 8, it also says that, that he is our advocate and he's doing something. He's not just convicting you of sin. In John 16, verse 8, it says, And when the Holy Spirit comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. And the religious in, the, in, in us, the religiosity in us says, Yeah, convict him of sin. But we forget, Jesus goes on to delineate here between conviction of sin and righteousness and judgment. And he's speaking to his disciples. And he says, concerning righteousness because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. So one of the jobs of the Holy Spirit advocating for us is that he is here to prove to us that we are now righteous. This word convict means to prove irrefutably. Now that's a big word. It means to convince you beyond a shadow of a doubt that you have been made righteous and that is the final verdict and it can never be undone. Ever. And some of you, when you stumble and fall, you start to just navel gaze and look at yourself. And again, of course, we should be remorseful over our failures and our failings. But remember, our God is so much greater than any failure we could ever commit, accidentally or otherwise. Oh man, the Holy Spirit is our advocate and the Holy Spirit dwells in us and the Holy Spirit enables and empowers us to live the life that we could not live otherwise. And some of us need to dip into that Holy Spirit bucket and get some of that today. There is a real proof of the Christian life do you know what it is? There's a few, but there's one that I want to point out, and that is transformation. Since you came to Jesus, have you been being transformed? Now, I'm not saying you just instantly became perfect. We know that's not the case. We live in a fallen body, in a fallen world. But are you becoming, are you being, being filled Continually with the Holy Spirit to be transformed by the renewing of your mind like it talks about in Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Paul says there, he's like, don't conform to the world's way. Conform yourself to the will of God. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now we know that growth takes time, right? Say it to your neighbor just for fun, because I don't always do this, but hey, growth takes time. Give them a wink. Growth takes time. It's okay. Some of you need to like giddy up a little bit, but that's okay. <laughs> growth does take time. And thankfully, God is patient with us. That's why he came. Because we, we are ultimate dirtbags. And we needed a savior to rescue us. And open the way for us. And he did. You know what else blows my mind? Is that he died for us before we chose him. 
Guys, let that sink in. If you, well, I'm getting ahead of myself here in this mindset's piece, but if you think that you've got to earn something from God, think again. He died for you before you chose him. Do you realize he could have died and made that huge sacrifice and nobody, it could have been that nobody would have chosen him? He did it anyway, knowing the risk. That's a beautiful, Jesus is beautiful, guys. Can you see him? Can you see him? He's not left us alone. Jesus is so good. All right. I'm going to put the pedal to the metal here, and we're going to look at four mindsets I want you to cultivate that are mindsets of the Spirit. This is not a comprehensive list, but it's what I felt to share with you. Number one, you belong to God. Romans 8, 9 says this, You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. In fact, the Holy Spirit is temporarily dwelling in you. No, the Holy Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. Guys, belonging to God is the essence of holiness. Anybody grow up in a house where you'd go to grandma's house and she had fine china set aside that was for special occasions? Oh, God help you if you ever warmed up a sandwich or anything else in the microwave on one of those plates. You were dead. Why? Because it was set aside for a special purpose. Could I take it and use it and put it in the dishwasher? <gasps> yes, I could. Is it for that purpose? No, it's not. You have now been bought with a price and you no, no longer belong to yourself. You belong to him for his purposes. Could you use your life for a different purpose? Yes, you could. Should you? I'll let that between, be between you and God. I believe that God has set us aside for things that will bring him honor and praise and glory. 1 Corinthians 3.16 says this. It says, do you not know that you are God's temple and the, that God's spirit dwells in you? When God does a thing, Hell cannot undo that thing. You know, in Romans chapter 8, Pastor Paul says something very, very interesting. He changes his tense in his usage of how he's writing. And the tense he begins to use here in chapter 8 is that when this thing has been done, it has been done and it can never be not done. That's kind of a weird thing to say. But he's saying, you've been declared not guilty and you have the Spirit of God. If you are in Christ, and that work can never be undone, ever, by anyone. Now, I'm not getting into the theological salvation, saved, can you lose your salvation debate. It's a different sermon for Pastor Jason to preach. We'll leave that one for him. But this is the thing, is Jesus has done a work on your behalf that can never, ever, ever, ever be undone, ever. It's beautiful. Number two, the second mindset. So first mindset is you need to remind yourself, wait a second, I belong to God. I'm not my own. The enemy tries to get me to take control of my own life and do my own thing my own way. Uh, no, time out. I belong to Jesus. Jesus, what are you up to? Let's do that. Does it make sense? The second mindset you can 
foster is this, that grace is not opposed to effort, but it is opposed to earning. What do I mean by that? Dallas Willard, he's famous for saying this, and he puts it like this, that earning is an attitude, effort is an action. Earning is an attitude, effort is an action. So what do I mean by that? When you have an earning attitude, you, should, you start to say things in your heart like this. Oh, I haven't looked at porn in five years, so I should get this promotion. You guys don't like it when I tell you stuff like that, do you? But see, we start to hold God hostage and say, well, God, look, 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 look at my good behavior. Look at how good I am. Don't you want to do this for me? Like trying to bend him over and manipulate him. Guys, that's, that's the flesh. That's religiosity. And guess what? You're already approved. You're already favored. You already have an abundance of grace poured out on you. Jesus actually paid it all. He didn't leave anything on the table. What good work do you think you can add to the perfection of Jesus? Come on. So let's wrestle with this one. Let it sink in. You want to add to your faith, like it says in 2 Peter chapter 1, it says, now add to your faith. And it lists a whole bunch of things. Put in some effort. Read your Bible. Memorize scripture. Pray. Stand up against the enemy. Be gracious. Walk in the spirit. Invite his empowering. So that all requires effort and discipline on your part. But it is not so you can earn his love or his favor. You can't. It's been something I've been wrestling with for a while, and Pastor Jim and I have been talking about this. Can you earn the favor of God? Are there some people who are more favored than others? The conclusion I've come to is absolutely not. We may differ in our degrees of our awareness of how much God favors us, but God favors you. He favors you. He favors you and he loves you. Galatians 2.20 through 21 says this, and this one cut me to the heart, guys, when I was reading this. It says, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. The righteous shall live by faith. Who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. Let that get you a little bit. That's like literally telling Jesus when he's trying to pay for your, pay for your breakfast at first watch, like, oh, no, no, I got this, Jesus. And he's like, no, actually, I bought the whole restaurant so I could just bless you. You see, and, and then two over there. And you're like, no, 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 I, I, I gotta pay. Think about it. Do not nullify the grace of God. It's a free gift. Have you ever asked your, yourself the question, why is salvation free? You know why it's free? Because that is the justice of God. There, imagine if to be saved, you also had to make a pilgrimage to Jerusalem. Well, there's a huge chunk of the world's population can never be saved. 
Or what if you had to be a male to be saved? Well, it's half the population of the world is going to be saved. Although we know if that was true, it would be the women who could be saved and not the guys. <laughs> there is no prerequisite. It's faith. It's actually believing that God is who he says he is. And then it's counted to us as righteousness. Isn't that cool? It's all grace. All right. You guys with me? Great. I'm going to skip that. Number three, a mindset to cultivate is that repent means think differently. Think differently. Jesus told, his, told people that he would meet, he would say things like, hey, the kingdom of God is near you. Repent. We religious folks, we love to tell people, repent, you're a sinner. What does that mean? It means change the way you think. Why? Because from your thinking flows your acting. Understanding who you are in Jesus can make all the difference. I tell you what, when you start walking in the fact you recognize I am approved and loved and I am a child of God by no merit of my own, you start to respond to that truth and walk differently, my friends. And if you don't, it may be that you need to cry out for revelation from God. Teach me the value of grace and extend your mercy to me because I am a thick-headed person. I have prayed those prayers, guys. Last year I was praying that prayer so hard. I just needed God to demonstrate to me how abundant his grace is and how finite my personal power and life is. The contrast between flesh and spirit is huge. We need to think differently. Ephesians 4.22 says this, to put off your old self, put it off, which belongs to your former human nature life and is corrupt through deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Look at your neighbor and tell him, you are righteous. I won't do that to you anymore since we're about to wrap up here. <laughs> Guys, we're righteous. And the Holy Spirit wants to prove that to you beyond the shadow of a doubt that you are righteous now. Live from that place. You probably heard it said we fight from victory, not for victory. You heard that? Well, we love from the place of being loved, not to earn love. You know that scripture that we always feel condemned about that says, well, you've lost your first love. You've forgotten your first love. You know that scripture from Revelation? One of the seven churches? Maybe that first love isn't, that, isn't about us at all. Maybe it's about the fact that he first loved you. Catch that revelation. He first loved you before you loved him. While we were enemies of God, he loved us. Can't say it enough, friends. The final mentality or mindset I want you to pray into and cultivate is this. God wants your heart, not your perfection. 
God wants your heart, not your perfection. Satan is an excellent liar. And he will try to deceive you until the day you die to train you and get you to think that you need to earn God's approval. Does God want you to walk uprightly? Oh, heck yeah. It's the best for you and for your family and for this nation. That's why he did it for us. So now walk in it. You are already accepted. I love this scripture from Joel, chapter 2, verses 12, 13. It says, even now declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning, and rend your hearts, not your garments. Rend is the word for tear, because they in the old days, in the Old Testament time, they would tear their robes as a sign of remorse or mourning. He says, don't, don't rip your clothes, which is all about the outside. Rip your heart. That's what I want is in there. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful and slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. And he relents over disaster. I'll tell you what, we had disaster coming our way before we knew Jesus. And he relented. How good is Jesus? I want you to remember this. You cannot more perfectly perfect something that has already been made perfect. It's perfect. And you are the righteousness of God in Christ. I want you to go away this week and think about this question because we cannot do this on our own. There's no way that we could achieve this on our own. It's by grace. It's a gift of 100% grace for all of us. It's this question, have I remembered to ask for the Holy Spirit's help and empowerment in my life, my everyday life, even the little things? And I want you to take this scripture with you as well. That if you are in Christ, you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. In fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you. You have everything that you need for life and godliness. Would you please stand with me? If you're able, of course. We can't do it. But by the grace of God, that gift, we can. I'm going to pray for us as a community that God would let these truths sink very deep into us. And so I just want you to just hold out your hands and just receive. Father, we come to you in faith, with an attitude of faith, recognizing that it is by your work alone. And you've set us free. You've set us free to live and do all that you've called us to do. 
And I thank you, God, that we're not just here to just try to make it, but we're here to thrive and grow and produce fruit that brings glory and honor to your name, King Jesus. So empower us, Lord. I pray for a sweeping unfurling of the Holy Spirit in each of our lives, God, that we would not live in the status quo, but be fully dependent on the Spirit of God. Let it translate into each person's context this week, King Jesus. How present and powerful your Spirit is to transform us. So we throw off the old self and we clothe ourselves in Christ taking on the mind of Christ to walk like Christ and to talk like Christ and to represent you everywhere we go. So we thank you in Jesus' name. And as you guys just have your eyes closed, I want to extend the invitation. If you have not given your life to Jesus yet, if you are someone, whether you're online at Jeffco Jail or in this very room, you have not said, Jesus, I trust you for the work you've done, I just want you to just throw your hand in the air and we are going to basically just pray with you as a church. I see you. Thank you. Any others? If, this, if you have not done this yet, this is your day. All right. If I missed you, I'm sorry, but church, let's pray this together. Lord Jesus... You are our strong confidence. Thank you for the work that you worked on the cross and raising from the dead. I trust you as my Savior. Amen. Welcome to the family, brother. I'm glad to have you. We love you guys. It's a real joy to be with you. If you have prayer requests, please email them to pray at faith.church. And as always, we're, we're around for you if you need us. So I would say hug somebody on your way out, but don't do that. Just know you are very deeply loved. Thank you for celebrating with us. Have an amazing week.